If my client is going to Johannesburg or Mumbai or Paris, I don't view that different. And I'll say, oh, we don't have to prepare as much for that trip. We can be more relaxed in Paris because it's not, right? That, that is a fundamental flaw. Welcome to The Circuit Magazine, the number one source of information on protection matters, the industry-leading magazine for all security professionals who want to stay ahead of the game. Travel risk management in more challenging environments. It seems today that there's ever more of them. We're going to be talking with the one and only Max Segal, CEO and founder of the Arna Consulting Group, I'm here with John Moss. Is the world getting more challenging or, or, or is there something else we need to look at in today's episode? I don't know if the world is getting more challenging from a travel point of view. Uh, I certainly do think, and this might be for a different podcast, I certainly do think that the operating environment is becoming more challenging in uh, more subtle ways, uh, you know, through... Uh, exposure to social media, technology, and so on. But I think the challenges of, of, of traveling internationally, either with a principal or to work on a foreign-based contract, it, it, it's, it's always been tough and it's always required a certain level of training and experience, I, I believe. But then, John, do you think that there are some operators where training will never make a difference? Or, or is that just for something like a hot zone? It, do, do, do you think that people can genuinely work the London circuit and then get some experience, um, I don't know, in Nigeria or, or, or further afield? Yeah, so, well, first of all, training is always going to make a difference. It, is it going to be enough? Well, not always, and but that's very much dependent on you know one environment to another. For instance, Nigeria. I think that's an environment where you need to have very specific training and knowledge, and up to date knowledge as well of operating on the ground in that environment. But beyond that, you also need to have good connections, good network. Uh, and get really plugged into the whole governmental uh, structure out there. That, that there's a lot to contend with in a place like that. Whereas when you look at somewhere like, you know, the recent conflicts that we had in Afghanistan, in Iraq, where there were contractors working out there, then that very much lends itself to people who come in from uh, from scratch with the prior experience so we're talking military experience here and have been exposed to conflicts and war zones very specifically and then have done um you know very specific training to environment on top of that cultural awareness and so on i like that because it it means that there there there, there is a place for experience there is a place for training and in this increasingly complex world i think making that distinction it is a bit of duty of care for your staff isn't it you don't want to send someone unprepared somewhere just to give them a shot um but but then but then in that do you do you think that the more challenging environments and and i think today we're going to skirt around the uh conflict in ukraine and everything that's uh nearby do you think that that has given people a sense that 
everywhere is challenging when in actual fact we should really hone in on right hang on there's perception and there's reality well what you've got is some basic underlying uh fundamentals that go across the board no matter what environment you're working in and this is all good practice and sop so a lot of the stuff is that you learn that comes from your experience you can pick that up and lift it and drop it into place for every environment that you go into it's not to say that everything will be relevant but it will be a consideration you should consider these things even if it's to rule it out and say that you know you're you're equipped to deal with that or you don't need any further support and so on so in the in the planning stages it's very similar but yeah when it when it comes down to it some environments are going to require a lot more in terms of resource in terms of knowledge in in terms of experience and specific training that that's you know that's just the way it is well let's look at it then because i know it's a pleasure to have mac back on the podcast let's get into challenging environments and the travel risk manager of tomorrow And now, let's meet one of the contributors to The Circuit magazine. Travel risk management in increasingly complex environments. Today, I'm very pleased to welcome back the one and only Max Segal, CEO and founder of the Honor Group, it's a pleasure to have you on. How are you doing? Uh, hey, Callum. Uh, just a pleasure to be back. Um, it was great to see you in London in person uh, in uh, January. And hopefully we'll meet up again soon. But thanks for having me. Absolutely. Yeah, it was a great opportunity. And, and we, we had some great discussions. You, you, you led some great panels Thanks. actually relating to today's topic um, as well. But, but let's do our three quick fire questions. You, you're sort of familiar with the format. I, I guess increasingly complex environments. Uh, what is what does that really mean, and 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 what are we trying to solve when we talk about travel risk management today? I think the beginning of the solution is understanding risk, is doing true risk assessment, and not trying to do what you did last time or work by analogy what other people are doing. You actually have to look for every trip, no matter what the location is, and assess real risk as opposed to perceived risk, and we can talk about that later. But everything we do is risk-based, and it starts from that. And, and I guess instead of where does your passion for this come from, why don't I rephrase it and say, so why you? Why are you uniquely placed to, to sort of give your view on this? I know, of course, that's why I've invited <laughs> you back. But, but, but can, can you give people a flavor of why you, you, you've got quite a, a unique perspective on this? So uh, I, I, I don't know if I'm uniquely placed, um, but myself, together with my leadership team, I have been in the industry, some of us over 15, over 20 years, having worked in over 100 countries uh, all over the world uh, with ultra uh, net worth and corporate clients. Um, so as an organization, we're really speaking from experience, not from theoretical, not that I spent three months once on an assignment in Mozambique. Um, but we do it on a daily basis. We support clients uh, all over the world. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. I, I like that. And... And then what about the uninitiated? And 
when I think about uninitiated, I'm, I'm actually thinking about EP professionals that may be only operate in their home country and they're looking to you know, branch out to the wider, more challenging risk environment. Um, what, what, what would your message be for them? Firstly, find yourself a mentor. Find yourself somebody who can guide you, who can teach you. Um, Facebook is not a mentor. Groups on Facebook are not mentors. Asking questions like, well, what do I have to do if I want to work internationally on some group on Facebook? That is, that is not a way uh, to effectively move your career forward, in my humble opinion. You'll get some good advice. You'll get some terrible advice. You'll get advice from people who have never worked outside of this state telling you things with great authority. Find somebody who really knows, who's really been there and done that successfully and, and get guidance. As we say, you know, don't go to people, don't take criticism from people you wouldn't go to for advice, right? So if somebody's giving you advice, look at them, look at their career, look at their track record and go, what have they done in the industry to be in a position now to be giving me leadership or advice? Just because they say they're a leader doesn't make it so. Very, very good advice. So let's look at today's topic, the more challenging environments. And of course, many people can imagine a few specific environments at the moment. What, what do you think we should do as, as operators? Should we, should, we, should we train in these challenging environments from the, from the offset? Or is, is, is there something we can do to prepare? What is the threat landscape and how should people pre- prepare? Okay, uh, m- many questions within your question. The first thing I think you, we need to do is to define, right? Well, what does that mean, a complex risk environment, right? So, you know, are you going to uh, Mogadishu, right? Are you going to, without going down the rabbit hole, uh, to Kiev, right, in the Ukraine? Uh, or are you going to a, a climate that is criminally unstable, politically unstable, uh, has threats from uh, um, natural disasters, uh, hurricanes, earthquakes, tornadoes, also a complex environment to uh, operate in, right? So you have to define what that means, a complex environment. Having said that, environments that don't appear complex can become complex in today's world quite quickly, right? So for example, um, Israel for a long time has actually been really relaxed and stable and uh, no big deal. And in the last two weeks, there have been several terror attacks, two of them random shootings uh, in major cities, right? And there seems to be the beginnings or suggestions of another wave of terror, like there, there, there was a few years ago. Well, that immediately, right? So within a week, right, the threat assessment in Israel changed. So in today's world, that, that situation, that threat landscape is rapidly, rapidly evolving. So should we divide the work of the EP specialist today as somebody that does not operate in complex quote unquote environments and some, someone that does? Because there, there are people that seem to only get work in their home country, only get work in their hometown. And that's fine. But, but, but is there a distinct difference between someone who's ready to you know, operate in a hot zone, operate in a more complex environment. And, and you know, there are increasingly more of them. Um, is, is there a difference fundamentally? Look, there's, a, there's a fundamental difference. If we're talking about, when you speak about hot zones, if you're talking about places which are essentially uh, war zones or areas of uh, really elevated risk of violence or violent attack, yes, 
places where you'd want to think about hardened vehicles, uh, about long guns, about armed escorts, right? Uh, and there are such places. Then clearly an agent who's going to work in those environments needs to have the necessary hard skills training to do that, right? We always speak about soft skills, soft skills, soft skills, soft skills, which super duper, that's what we use in most environments 99% of the time. But if you're going to go to Mogadishu, right? And all you've ever done was a uh, you know, two-day uh, EP course that had half a day range time with your pistol, and that's your understanding of a high threat for, 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 for violence like uh, uh, Mogadishu, that's your understanding, then maybe you're not the best guy for that job, right? So at a certain point, yes, in certain really high-risk locations, you're going to want to take people with you who have been there, done that. Yeah, you know, we talk about should they be ex-military, ex-law enforcement, how important is that, right? Well, if I'm going into a place where there's a 50-50 chance that we might get attacked or shot at, right? And we're going to leave aside the discussion why you're going there in the first place and why your client needs to go there, because obviously you should be saying we shouldn't be going there if the risk is that high. But let's say it's unavoidable and the client has to go. Well, then, yes, you probably want to take a team of people who have some combat experience, who have, you know, knowledge of, of that level of stress and how to operate under that level of stress, as opposed to somebody who did a two-week uh, EP course somewhere in the United States. And, and, and that's it, no matter how good that person is. Now, that's, that's important. And sometimes it's a bit of a hard truth because uh, there, are, there are providers of, I don't know, coaching, training out there, and, 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 and many are fantastic and uh, who am i to you know talk uh, good or bad about any of them but you you do get the feeling sometimes that people are promised the ability to suddenly become rambo um, and 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 maybe we need to to have a bit of a real talk with them uh, about that um so 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 on that what are the types of skills that let's say let's let's set aside hot zones because that's as you say places we shouldn't really be going um, more complex and challenging environments where things are a lot more changeable and unstable. Um, what, what do you look for in, 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 a, in a team member, an operator? Is there a skill set that, that matches, quote-unquote, complex environment? Uh, absolutely. The most important skill for me is what I call thought process. So people who are well-schooled in any discipline, uh, if an architect, right, if, if successful architect looks at a plan, right? Somebody shows them a blueprint for a building. Immediately, there's kind of a set of like a checklist in his mind that he starts looking at those plans. And there's a certain thought process that he engages, that a doctor engages, that a lawyer engages, right? Um, that it doesn't matter what your profession, if you're really good, right? If you look at a system, uh, if, if you do uh, um, water drainage, plumbing, right? And it's a complex building. The minute you see those blueprints, your mind starts racing, right, down certain paths because you've been trained to think, right? And you go, well, there's a problem. Well, you can problem solve. And immediately you can play in your mind that if this, then that, all right? Well, if you do this, that will be the result. If you do this, that will be the result. This is the solution. And for me and team members, that is like gold. You need to be a problem solver. You need to be able to figure it out whether that problem is suddenly, oh my gosh, there's rioting in the streets outside in Lusaka and, and they're firing tear gas and you know, throwing bricks, 
or whether that's, hey, the corporate jet just broke down, uh, we need another plane, or whether it's, huh, the German police won't actually let us stage our vehicles outside the event where we want to park, right? And we don't know how to talk to the German police because they don't seem to care uh, that we work for this fancy company uh, and they're telling us to move our vehicles. Um, whatever it is, um, even if it's we're driving down a, a dirt road outside Abuja and there's two guys burning tires with AK-47s in the middle of the road, right? Well, how do you stay calm? How do you keep the client calm? How do you navigate that, right? And know that you just got to be friendly and then they'll go away. But that ability to think and problem solve is everything because that is 99% of what you're going to be doing. Yes, if it all goes to whatever, do you need to have your hard skills? You always need to have them. If you need them, you need to be able to, you know, to evacuate the client or to uh, engage whatever you need. But for me, a person who can't think, a person who thinks that there's a playbook uh, for a complex environment or for any environment in EP, it just doesn't go that way. You have to be able to think on your feet. And then maybe a follow-on to that, what, what, what should one look for, let's say, in a local partner uh, on the ground, in country? Um, because obviously you, you've brought a team to a, to a, to a place. You, you may never have been there because it could be a very obscure place. You might do all your advanced work. It's fine. But then when you want to embed suddenly a third party who's supposed to be a local guru, maybe a linguist, um, what does one look for in, 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 in said third party? And, and how then can they be integrated into a team when their motivations are, are just very different? Uh, that it is a, a fantastic question and a complex one uh, at that. Um, firstly, so obviously your, your, your local partner is incredibly important. Um, often their local partner is your transport provider. So you provide, right? They're not necessarily providing EP, um, but they're providing transport. Um, and you're relying on them to understand traffic patterns, timings, that the vehicles will be on time, the vehicles will be clean, the drivers will be presentable, the drivers won't do anything stupid, uh, they'll retain integrity, OPSEC, they won't leave the schedule lying around, they won't have cameras on in the car, um, all, all these kinds of things that we all know. Um, your local partner can completely sync your assignment if they're the wrong partner. Um, what you need to do uh, one of my pet peeves, and people who know me know this, right? People throw uh, the term vetted vendor, right, around, you know, like, like uh, you know, trust me, I'm a doctor, right? But I'm actually a doctor of, uh, you know, philosophy. But that doesn't matter. I'll still give you my medical opinion because I'm a doctor. Um, vetted vendor, right? And, and we've spoken about this before, right? If, if, if I'm going to a, a, a Kinshasa and I don't know anybody and I call Phelan, I go, hey, Phelan, do you know someone in Kinshasa? And he goes, no, I don't know. I'll call John Moss. And John Moss goes, no, I don't know. I'll call Elijah Shaw. And Elijah says to me, yeah, Mac, I've got a guy that I used 10 years ago in Kinshasa. I think I've still got his number written down in a matchbox. That's not a vetted vendor, right? You're, 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 you're selling smoke and mirrors to your clients. You're being dishonest. You're not doing duty of care, right? you need to actually vet your vendors. You need to actually go out there and meet them. And you're saying, okay, but you're going to a country once in five years, right? You're going to, to some small country that you're not gonna 
spend money and drive out there and, or I mean, fly out there and go to meet with the vendor. Okay. But you can maybe speak to the RSO at the US embassy, right? And say, hey, who do you guys use? Can do, is there a local transport provider that the US embassy uses, right? Or knows about? Right? There, there are ways to try and narrow that playing field rather than going onto Facebook and going, hey, does anybody know a guy in uh, you know, Ghana? Because then you're gonna land and you're gonna have problems. And be honest with your client, just tell the client, look, we've never worked, right, in Ghana, right? We can set it up, but uh, I, I'm not, I can't guarantee whether, you know, the Land Cruiser will be 2022 or 1822, but, you know, <laughs> this is what I can do. But, 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 but don't BS your clients, right? Uh, because at the end of the day, you know, we speak a lot in this industry about the service, right? And that we're gopher, chauffeur, butler, EA, PA. It's such an important part of what we do. And it is. It's a huge part of what we do. But if you move that all away, right? Our job is to protect human life, right? Our job at the end of the day is to protect the client's physical uh, uh, well-being and their reputational well-being. Uh, and if we lose sight of that, then we're not doing duty of care, right? So you just got to remember that when you're doing all this other good stuff. And if I'm just going to take some vendor, some person, I have no idea who they are, if their drivers have licenses, if they have any insurance, nothing, right? Or if they speak the language or they speak English or they don't, you're not doing duty of care to your client. You're, you're, you're actually elevating the, the, the risk to your client. That, that, that is really important because obviously there's a temptation to say yes. And uh, there's a temptation always uh, to say, well, this job came up at 10 a.m. today. And by 11, I need an entire team. Otherwise, I don't get the contract. So there's, there's always pressures like that. Um, but on a more practical note, on duty of care, and I've just sort of thought about this whilst you were sort of explaining what kind of practical solutions do you like to help make the journey a little bit smoother in a really challenging environment? And, and by practical solutions, uh, yes, I am thinking transportation, uh, but newly, you know, I'm thinking uh, medical uh, challenges. And then, and then even, and even why not um, nutritional challenges? Because some people take a, like a, a full, a full nutritional milkshake um, because whatever is not available in, in country. Um, does that all fall under duty of care for the more challenging environment or, or, or um, am I sort of imagining things? Well, honestly, I, I think that, you know, we're not imagining things, but I think that the rules don't change. In other words, having medical contingencies if I'm going to Bangladesh or to London, shouldn't make any difference. My capability to provide emergency medical care uh, for the client, right, should be in place no matter where I am, right? If the client has uh, some medical condition or et cetera, so I need to be prepared for that. It doesn't matter what country we're in. Yes, obviously, part of the access to high level medical care or trauma center at whatever level that is, is important, right? If I know I'm in a country where, where 
obviously we don't actually other than initial care but as soon as possible we, we want to medevac the client out of there because we don't really want them being treated in a local hospital that is why we do an advance right and that is why uh, a proper advance cannot be the importance of it cannot be overstated you cannot just fly in there blind especially if you're going to uh, a higher risk country or a country that's less traveled you need to get out there uh, you can't just google uh, the hospital right and what mm -hmm. level trauma center they have there. you need to get boots on the ground you need to visit the hospital you need to get eyes on and see what's going on um but in terms of those contingencies uh, nutritional right so i remember there was a client that literally travels with his own food wherever he went right gets off their their their, their plane with, with with cooler bags now you've got to explain to customs in that country why it's okay for him to bring his own hamburgers um, into the country because customs usually are not that willing to do that. Um, so those are challenges. But um, clearly in some places like with nutrition, the water, like if you're in countries in Africa where uh, you, know, you don't want to be drinking tap water, using ice cubes made of tap water, et cetera, et cetera. Those are things you make your client uh, aware of. Um, but I... I think the extra cautions that maybe we take when going to these complex environments, but the basics remain the same. It's not like we're going to London, so we don't have to think about medical contingencies because we're busy in hospital. Yeah, but 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 on that, on that, during COVID, at least during the initial phases, some people classed even London as a complex environment because certain things were closed. Yes. Um, do, do you think we've gone back to the usual dynamic of complex, non-complex, or Paris must be non-complex, or, or is, is the definition fudged a little bit, um, given, given the possibility of maybe more services not being available for whatever reason? So, I, well, I have a fundamental kind of a roadblock uh, with these definitions. So for me, yes, as I said, if we're going into a, a war zone or, you know, a, a city or a location where there's, you know, regular, uh, you know, I don't know, IEDs or VBIDs going off or shooting in the streets. Uh, so that's a whole different classification. And then, of course, the question is, why are you going there in the first place? And should you be going there? And if your client is going there, should you be taking the assignment? Can you actually do duty of care and effectively protect the client in those circumstances, right? But let's say you're one of those companies and, right, all your guys are, I don't know, ex-regiment and you, you specialize in that kind of thing, super. But apart from those, which I think are fairly few and far between, everywhere else is the same. So if my client is going to Johannesburg um, or Mumbai or Paris, I don't view that differently. I don't do different, I say, oh, we don't have to prepare as much for that trip. We can be more relaxed in Paris because it's not, right? That, that is a fundamental flaw. You always have to be prepared for whatever it is. You know, the night of the, the, the major terror attacks in Paris, right? At the, the, the Bataclan Theater and right when 128 people were killed, well, nobody saw that coming. But if, if you were in Paris on that day, well, your, your, your environment got rapidly, rapidly complex. Right? And nobody knew which way was up. 
um, if you're in a hotel and there's, you know, something happens downstairs, you can be in the US somewhere, you know, and suddenly there's a shooting attack, right? Not related to your client, but suddenly there's complete panic and pandemonium. So your environment just got complex in, you know, in a couple of minutes. So you're thinking, well, I'm in St. Louis, whatever, like, hey, it's relaxed, right? But then some person decides that they're disgruntled or whatever and, and you know, goes off with an M4. Well, it's, it's no longer a simple environment. So I think that, that I sometimes talk about Davos that way, right? There's an attitude in Davos that's a sterile environment, the World Economic Forum, right? And that's the fundamental flaw. Uh, it's not. It's super easy to get weapons or explosives, anything you like, into Davos of the World Economic Forum. So to go into anywhere assuming that it's safe, that we don't have to like be vigilant, uh, I think is a fund fundamental error. You go in prepared for everything, every time, right? And hopefully you won't need most of it, uh, but, but be prepared because things happen. And talking about being prepared and things happening, I guess maybe this brings us to a logical conclusion of futurology. Right? It's, 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 not, it's not always uh, about the present. Um, what are your thoughts on some emerging, more complex, more hot zone-esque locations where people will find themselves working? And I, I, I know that in and around Ukraine, there, there are a lot of complexities at the moment. Um, I, I, I guess I'm asking where you see that affecting and the types of complex environments that you see emerging in that context. So I think, I think uh, it's a difficult question. I think there's a difference between complex environments and perceived complex environments. So during uh, the last month in Ukraine, I've had several requests for EP in Moldova, where I happen to live, for media crews or whatever. And my response has been, why on earth would you want EP in Moldova? The threat here is zero. And I mean zero, even in terms of crime, like nothing happens here. There's no war here. Yes, it's you know, 400 kilometers that way, but here, life is normal. So if you have a media crew coming into Moldova, why on earth would you want to spend money uh, getting them EP? I mean, I'm happy to take your money, of course, but uh, I'm like, there's no threat to an American news crew in, 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 in the Republic of Moldova at all, just because it's next door. That's like when there was a war in Syria, you know, it's like, well, you know, do I need protection if I'm in Israel? But, but well, the war's in Syria, right? Um, so there's this perceived threat um, that we, you know, that I think, you know, like any country within, you know, 100 kilometers of Ukraine at the moment is dangerous, right? Poland, Romania, Estonia, but, but they're not. Uh, no, nothing has changed there in the threat level. Um, in terms of, I, I can't put a pin on the map and say, I think this place or that place is going to become a, a higher threat because... Um, you know, the needle is moving so rapidly, right? Um, you know, we're not going to get into discussions about threats like terrorism, et cetera, as it relates to, to resources, right? 
and 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 migrant populations and how that changes the threat, you know, the threat level, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, because that's a, a whole different discussion. I, I, I can't put, I said, my finger on a country and say, oh, I think this will be more dangerous or less dangerous. But you do make the really important point, perceived complex versus actually complex. And I think even my question belies a certain preconception that things on the border of something would effectively mean X, Y, and Z. So I'm glad I'm glad I asked that. And, and, and hopefully there will be others who had the same preconception. If you, if you just on that point, so if you said to me right now, how's the war in Ukraine affected Moldova if somebody was planning a trip here, right? What I'd say is what's changed is traffic. Yes, drive times are much longer because there's a lot of Ukrainians here, right? So the city is full, hotels are full, uh, restaurants are full, traffic is crazy because there's, you know, another 50,000 people who, who weren't in Kishinev before. So that's what's changed in terms of the environment. So it should be noted. But in terms of risk, not Important point. So, Honor Group, what's next for you in the coming year? I think this is a good segue to sort of look at, uh, you know, on a more positive note, what, what have you got coming up? What, what are your priorities? Um, well, our, our priorities, uh, as always, are, are our clients. Um, it's, um, it's exciting that, that, as we all hope, that COVID is kind of uh, in the rearview mirror, you know, becoming uh, endemic and not pandemic. Um, it's something that we're going to live with, you know, like we live with uh, our, our, our other viruses, um, and it's manageable. Um, we all hope that we've seen the, the, the back of the pandemic as we knew it the last couple of years. So travel is opening up. What we've seen is a huge uptick in corporate travel. Our clients are like gnashing at the bit to get back out there and travel again. Um, I've heard that from many of my colleagues. Everybody's much busier than they were six months ago. Um, the, the board is full. Trips are coming up. Clients are talking. Um, so we just gonna keep, keep doing what we're doing. Um, focus on, on doing the job right, um, focus on the clients, um, you know, tr try focus on, on, on you. Don't worry about what everybody else is doing. Don't point fingers. Don't compare. No, just, you know, uh, Elon Musk actually said, it's like, don't run your business by analogy. Look at what other people are doing, what the market's doing, the best practices, the, you know, the standards. It's just focus on you on what you do, respect everybody else, respect everybody, and I mean that, but do the job right. Think, how can I better deliver duty of care to my clients, duty of care to my, my team, my employees, right? And, and, and run a good company with a social conscience, uh, treat people right, your people, the clients, and, and all the dog and pony show around, kind of trying to extract yourself from that removing yourself from the dog and pony show is is something that the quiet professional probably should always strive to do um i know it's a, i know it's a careful balance um but mac it's it's a great pleasure to have you on again um i'm i'm pleased that we could address such a topical question and i am very very confident that we will see you again in person very very soon so mac thanks very much it's been a pleasure having you on thanks for having me Callum. see you soon
always a great pleasure to welcome Mac. I love talking to him. He, he's spoken at so many things, and yet I feel I'm learning each time. Um, how is today's session for you, John? Yeah, it's great. I always love chatting with Mac, having him on the show and meeting him at events. He's such a knowledgeable guy and he really enthuses about his subject. So for me today, you know, there was there was so much in there and it's almost like, where do you start? But I, I think one of the things that Mac uh, touched on in there that we don't always hear spoken about very often is this separation and in differentiation between environments or, or perhaps better way to say it is to say that there isn't maybe as much differentiation as what we sometimes can be guilty of overlaying onto an environment and I think what's really important in that is that it doesn't lead us to underestimate an environment just to think because um, for instance London or Paris or any of the other uh, major European capital cities are less of a threat just because we have greater exposure and a greater knowledge and they feel more familiar to us as opposed to, you know, say Cape Town or somewhere like that. And, and keeping, going back to what we spoke about before the interview, and it's these underlying principles, it's these underlying principles of having a foundation and doing the planning regardless of the environment that you go into that's true isn't it because you might simply rest on your laurels if you think ah going to new york no problem but yet as max said moldova is much safer than other places in the world that we may think are safe so 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 i think that's really good and of course hot zones are hot zones and that's got its own specific um genre uh, but then as a value-added and trusted advisor, you, as Max said, have to say, are you sure you want to go? Why do you want to go? Uh, um, am I the right firm to do that for you? Um, much as, uh, I, I, as he said, I'll take your money, but uh, you don't need such and such a, a deployment in such and such a location. So what have we got coming up? I know, I know we're taking more submissions for the magazine and uh, we've got a lot of new features, at least on the NABA Protector app and then perhaps the BBA Connect app. Yeah, absolutely. There's always lots going on there. Very busy. I think uh, the, the, the big things for us on the horizon is our event at, that's coming up at the end of this month, at the end of April. So that's our main focus and we've got the next issue of the magazine already in production as always we're always keen to get new uh, contributors new points of view into the magazine so if you've got something that's uh, burning away and that you want to say uh, send your submissions to us at info at circuit-magazine.com Absolutely. And that also goes for the event. Yes, we're curating it. Yes, we're producing it. But if you feel you have uh, an interesting story you'd like to tell or you'd like to join a panel, we are open to wider perspectives. Um, talking about wider perspectives, it was very nice, actually, uh, this uh, very week to see so many uh, BBA and wider friends at the security event in Birmingham. It was great. Uh, you know who you are. We, we posted some nice pictures on uh, the BBA Connect app. And I know uh, one of you posted some great shots on the NABA uh, Protector app as well. Yeah, you know, and, and I, w I wasn't able to attend that event. And it's and it, while that's a shame, it was really great to see 
uh, in real time feedback and input coming into the app from yourself and other people who were there at the event. And this, this is, you know, what the community is all about. It really makes you feel connected. Uh, and, and that's, you know, that this is something that we're striving for with the apps. And I think that really emphasized just how valuable of an asset they can be to our community. It keeps it fresh, keeps it alive, and uh, and and instantly. I think one comment, one comment uh, on the Naba app. Someone said uh, it's a, it's a big world, but a small circle, or something like that. Because we 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 had we had a few familiar faces uh, that uh, that even people uh, across the world would would sort of notice. Um, but yeah, looking looking forward to seeing everyone again very very soon. Looking forward to the event, and uh, as always looking forward to including mac in uh, in more things i know he's very busy uh, at the moment but uh, look forward to seeing him again very soon so challenging environments do they exist do they not exist i think that is still yet to be determined but what one thing is certain travel risk management has set of principles that we can still abide by so from john and myself this has been another fantastic edition of the circuit magazine podcast You have been listening to the Circuit Magazine podcast. Be sure to subscribe and be sure to not miss an episode.